Hello from the newsroom of the Financial Times in London. I'm Josh Noble and this is News in Focus, where we offer our insights into the global news stories that matter. Dementia is on the rise, with the World Health Organization estimating that the number affected will treble to over 150 million in the next 30 years. Clive Cookson discusses the latest in dementia care with London neurologist Nick Fox. And we hear reports from Edward White and Brooke Fox about initiatives in Taiwan and the US to improve the lives of sufferers. Nick, we've heard a lot of bad news about Alzheimer's research, particularly into new treatments. We'd like to look forward and see when the good news might be coming. On treatments, first of all, do you think there's any chance that the aim of having something in the clinic by 2025 can be achieved? Well, I think it is an ambitious target, and we desperately need an effective therapy. In terms of whether it's achievable, I still believe it is, and I think it will be possibly one, even a rare form of dementia that is the first treatment, but that will open the gate to other therapies. How will that become a pathfinder? Because we know that dementia and Alzheimer's are very complicated, multifaceted, multi-causal diseases, probably. If you get a treatment that works for one, how might that lead on to a wider success? Well, I think in a couple of ways. A really important way is just giving hope and faith to the whole community, be it pharmaceutical companies to research funders, because once we get the first treatment, we will know it's possible to treat neurodegeneration. And it also will tell us about the correct targets and how those can be addressed and whether or not they can be dissociated from downstream effects. We need earlier diagnosis. So where do we stand on testing and diagnosing people early enough perhaps for the treatments really to make a difference? Well, I think we have made progress there. That's an area where we've made progress in the, in the scans and in the biomarkers. It's actually the biomarkers are ahead of the, the clinical use because we can detect very early changes now, but in a way there isn't a clinical need because we don't have a therapy. We now know that diseases like well, Alzheimer's disease may have a 20, 30-year course. So if you like, the treatment trials that were done in the past where we thought we were treating the beginning of the disease were probably treating the last 5, 10 years of the disease. So while there's this increasing momentum in the science and, and a real urgency about finding a therapy, we know that will take some time. I'm actually quite hopeful about some of the gene silencing in these rare genetic disorders. But that won't be tomorrow. What about diagnosis slightly later on when people are beginning to develop symptoms? Presumably there, having the right diagnosis can be extremely important to feed into the way they live and are cared for. Absolutely, and we know that historically we've been really pretty poor and, and people have often have a long delay to getting a diagnosis which... I've had family members say it's an agony of not knowing. And we know much better now that there are multiple different causes of this thing, dementia, which dementia just means no better than brain failure. Alzheimer's disease is a cause. It's the most common cause, but it's not the only cause. So frontotemporal dementia, vascular dementia, dementia with Lewy bodies, these are diseases that cause dementia, just like multiple 
different types of cancer are all cancers. And the future and the treatments are different. But right now, being able to tell people what they expect, what one needs in terms of their care needs, it's hugely important we make a diagnosis, in my opinion. How do you make a diagnosis? Traditional methods still have huge importance. Talking to people, talking to their family members is incredibly helpful in terms of understanding what the possible cause would be. But scans, and actually in clinical practice now lumbar punctures, are really helping us to understand the underlying molecular pathology, the driver of the disease, and also the pattern of loss helps us to say, well, this looks like Alzheimer's disease. Do you think that it's useful for people who are in the early stages of dementia to do things like very actively playing games. There are computer companies that are selling software to help. Is that the sort of mental stimulation helpful in this context, do you think? I think that the jury is still out. We haven't shown that that makes a lot of difference once you're symptomatic. And I also think we need to avoid people feeling that this is their responsibility, that if only they'd done more Sudoku, they wouldn't have their Alzheimer's disease. And people do desperately search for things. Yes. And it's really important to protect people from either feeling bad about things or to take charlatan treatments that are not proven. And the reality is that in terms of cognitive stimulation, staying cognitively active is good, but just doing what you like, not feeling like you have to do all those brain tests and seducers. There's no evidence that changes the trajectory at that stage. Is there evidence that a good level of social interaction changes the trajectory of the disease? Social interaction is generally good for all of us, to some extent. But at the level when people are symptomatic, there isn't a huge lot of evidence out there that that can change the disease course. But it clearly can change how people feel, how they interact, and that perhaps is as important or more important. Do I think we're modifying the underlying buildup of amyloid plaques and loss of brain cells? I'm not convinced. Do I feel it's good for people to feel positive, to feel not like they're failing? Absolutely. And while there's this increasing momentum in the science and a real urgency about finding a therapy. We know that will take some time. I'm actually quite hopeful about some of the gene silencing in these rare genetic disorders, but that won't be tomorrow. And in the meantime, what we need to do is we need to care for people better, and that includes improving diagnosis, giving people information so that they can make decisions at a stage when they're competent to influence what happens to the future, and also to guide their care. As Nick Fox says, good social interactions can make people with dementia and their carers feel far more positive about the trajectory of the disease. Some Asian nations with rapidly ageing populations are leading the way to improving social interactions. My colleague Edward White, the FT's Taiwan correspondent, spoke to Tang Li Yu, Secretary-General of the Taiwan Alzheimer's Association, about initiatives in her country. Last year, Taiwan officially became an aged society. That's what the WHO calls countries with 14% of the population over the age of 65. 
In a country of just under 24 million people, nearly 300,000 have dementia, and that number is set to increase sharply over the coming decades. The Taiwan Alzheimer's Association has been working for more than 10 years on a program of non-pharmacological treatment. This is helping people with dementia maintain their maximum function by regularly taking part in activities like music and art, and it believes that this has played a critical role in slowing the deterioration of many people living with mild dementia. These methods have now been adopted by the government and are being used in more than 350 centres and communities across Taiwan. And now, building on the success of this program, the association is turning its focus to helping people diagnosed with dementia to stay in their jobs or, in other cases, to rejoin the workforce. We found out that people with dementia, especially young people with dementia, they love to have a job. So we set up a cafe and people with dementia make coffee, they make cookies, they make sandwich and serve people. The other program is we try to connect people with dementia with the cafe in the community. The cafe actually exists for five or six years already. And I think it's quite successful. The confidence is very important. They feel that they are not useless. They feel that they still can contribute. And they do better. Ms. Tang also told me that one of the barriers actually holding the program back is a basic lack of understanding among many people about the capabilities of people with dementia. However, she's confident that when people have a greater knowledge of the condition that they'll actually be able to work with their managers and occupational therapists in companies to redesign roles to fit individuals and provide the right levels of support to them. Across the Pacific, the US still has a long way to go in improving care for people with dementia. As Brooke Fox, an FT journalist in New York, discovered when she talked to Kevin Jameson, president and founder of the Dementia Society of America. Can you tell me why you wanted to start the Dementia Society? My wife had dementia and we didn't have enough information. We couldn't understand, well, what's the difference between Alzheimer's and dementia? Is there a difference? So just like there's a cancer society that represents as an umbrella forms of cancer, causes of cancer, where's the dementia society as an umbrella? And I couldn't find one. So I decided, why not start one? In regards to dementia care in the U.S., what is it that we do well and where are the things that need to improve? I think from a standpoint of stepping into this, even with my grandmother back in the early 90s when she had some form of dementia, and she was put in a nursing home, and that care included kind of a strapped down seat where she was locked in place throughout the day. That's kind of where the state of care was in the 70s through the early 90s. And I think that the change occurred probably in the mid-90s and it's still ongoing today, but it has to do with person-centered care, which is focusing on the person, their needs, their concerns, their desires. So dementia care has changed because they're recognizing that people, A, can speak for themselves, B, are still themselves inside. They may not be able to verbalize, but they still can respond to stimuli, and they still have emotions, and they still can listen to music and move and and feel touch and caring and love and all those things. So there are a number of organizations that have created 
new models of care that look at people as being whole people right until the end of their lives. And that's really what we're all about. In your opinion, what does the future of dementia care in the U.S. look like? Well, I think it looks promising. There are a lot of people that are building dementia care communities. And I think with an organization such as ours that's really beating the drum of awareness and the multi-factor aspect of dementia, all of this is, is moving a mountain. It's kind of like where AIDS and cancer were, right? 50 years ago, cancer was the C word. Then there was the HIV crisis. And now we're in kind of the dementia crisis. People are also looking at non-medical ways of helping people. So we look at music, art, movement, and touch therapies. And that makes all the difference in somebody's lives. Because people, even to their last day almost, with an advanced dementia, can still sing a song. They can still smile. They can still cry. It's easy to feel depressed when you look at the dementia statistics, but we have come a long way over the past 20 years in caring for people who are affected and in scientific research into understanding the biology of dementia, even though an effective disease-altering treatment remains elusive. For more on the subject, please visit www.ft.com forward slash dementia hyphen care. That was Clive Cookson, BFT Science Editor, and UCL's Professor Nick Fox. We also heard from Edward White in Taiwan and Brooke Fox in New York. Thanks for listening. Don't forget, if you missed our recent episodes on Kamala Harris and the race for the U.S. Democratic nomination, Donald Trump's clash with the ECB, or Philip Green's crumbling fashion empire, you can find them all on the usual podcast platforms. <laughs>